Hey everybody, welcome to Master the NEC where we talk about the National Electrical Code. On today's episode, we're going to talk about a blog that I did quite a while ago, I guess it was early on in 2016, that talks about how to size a circular raceway for a multi-conductor cable. And I kind of give you the explanation from an electrical side uh, of it when it's talking about sizing it for things like SER or, uh, or even a UFB or things like that. And it's fairly simple, and we're going to go over that really quickly. Uh, but I probably didn't in that, that episode talk about how you size it, the raceway for smaller cables like a CAT2, a class two or class three or smaller class one cables, um, which essentially means that how you're going to approach that. And we'll talk about that at the end because that's really for the guys that deal in Article 725, not really for the you know us electricians when we're thinking about a raceway uh, when it comes to other things. So you know that's what we want to make sure that we that we're going to cover is the main topic here is things like SERs and tray cables to be placed in a raceway uh, that type of thing now we're going to break it down when it comes to the situation on physical protection and then of course what we call a complete raceway system under 300.17 of the NEC which which explains what a complete raceway is from point A to point B from junction box to junction box from enclosure to junction box where it has a connector at each end and it's total complete system from start to beginning uh, from beginning to end excuse me and so uh, you would pull a multi-conductor cable inside of that raceway provided that that your specific article allows that and, and there's really um, in most cases for example SE cable 338 uh, for uh, service entrance cables or uh, 334 for non-metallic sheath cables or or what have you really doesn't have anything that prohibits the installation itself of a multi-conductor cable within inside of a circular raceway application Okay, and we're and we're only going to talk circular raceways today. We're not going to talk about auxiliary gutters and wireways and in the in the twenty percent fills and all those type of things. We're specifically going to talk about just circular raceway applications where we might want to pull a multi-conductor cable inside of that raceway for whatever reason. Okay. So that's what the topic is today. So if you had a chance to actually read um, the blog that we did back in December, uh, and if you want to read that, it's real simple. Just go on the internet and type in Master the NEC blog, and it'll certainly be one of the top choices that come up. Uh, also, you can get there from our website as well. If you can get to our blogs, uh, what have you. Um, so what we're going to talk about is this, how to determine the raceway fill for a multi-conductor cable. Okay, first things first. You're probably all real familiar when you're pulling individual conductors in a raceway. Now, whether the engineer specified it or whether or not you're designing it as the master electrician or the apprentice or whoever's working with it, um, you're probably familiar with Chapter 9, Table 1 that, come, that deals with the raceway fill uh, limitations here. So, uh, if you have your code book, you want to look at Chapter 9, Table 1, and that's the percentage of cross-sectional of conduit and tubing uh, for conductors and cables. Uh, and when you look at it, what you'll see is if, that you'll have a, if it's one conductor or cable, you can't exceed 53% of the fill. If it's two conductors or cables, you can, um, that you can't exceed more than 31%. And if it's over two, then it's, uh, you can't exceed 40%. Okay, that's your general rule. Whether it's conductors or cable, uh, if you have multiple cables that are inside of a raceway, then you're going to treat it as a single conductor as far as not being able to exceed the 
um, cross-sectional area of that specific raceway. Now the good news is here is that we're still going to use chapter 4 which tells us all of our raceways approximate area and so once we do a little bit of the math based on diameters of the cable assemblies that we're talking about then we can pretty much easily do this math and there's different formulas that you can use I'm going to give you the, the simplest one that I use uh, in order to achieve it okay so first things first let's go to the National Electrical Code hopefully you're you know and we want to do this so that if you're riding in a car or listening and you're doing that that you don't have to necessarily have your code book I'm pretty much going to paint you a picture of what's in the code book but normally if you're a guy that's listening to this and you've done raceways uh, you probably are very familiar with table one and all those associated notes that are that go along with that okay so let's go to table one of chapter nine and right now we're talking about multiconductor cables so I want to draw your attention to two specific notes here of significance to worry about the first one is note number two now note number two reminds us that table one which is the cross-sectional areas that we just talked about the 53 to 31 and 40 percent depending on the number of conductors uh, that is not applicable when you're talking about small sections that are being used for physical damage protection okay uh, you don't have to worry about cross-sectional area fill in those applications however this table applies to complete conduit or tubing systems and those systems are as described in 300.17 okay so typically you have an enclosure or panel enclosure that holds a panel board and then you might have a junction box somewhere else or wherever it's going maybe another panel and you have a complete raceway or conduit system between each one of those enclosures that is a complete system now if you have a short section of conduit or tubing that's connected on one end to an enclosure and it goes up a little ways and it's simply for sleeving uh, sleeving the, the the cable in it because of an issue of physical damage in the area then you don't have to worry about the fill okay because that's a small section we're not worried too much about that if it's a complete conduit or tubing system as as again described in 300.17 then you're gonna to have to worry about this table one and you're gonna to have to worry about the cross-sectional area issues now why is this important well let's talk tray cable for example so tray cable article 336 uh, they're very limited in where I can use tray cable when it comes to inside of a building of course I can use it in a raceway I can use it in a cable tray uh, I could use it outside on a messenger uh, I can even direct bury it if it's marked and listed for direct burial. However, when I bring it into a building, other than the exceptions that were added, in, or, or not exceptions, but the allowances that were added in the 2017 code for one and two family dwellings for tray cable that has power and control cables in, in, together in one cable assembly, uh, then you have a very limited application. But if I wanted to use a tray cable, for example, for a feeder, um, I could do so, but it has to be inside of a raceway in a building. At that point, it becomes cost prohibitive. I'd just like to run the tray cable, but you can't. But let's say you wanted to do that for some reason, and you're going to install it from a complete system. Uh, then you can't exceed the cross-sectional area for that cable inside of that raceway system. Remembering now that we have, uh, if it is a complete system, you have to comply with Table 1. Now, that brings us over to note number 9. Now, note number nine has changed for the 2017 code only in a sense that it reminds you that uh, just because you twist some conductors together or some wires together, that does not make them a cable so that I can use the 53% for a single cable. 
okay, for the raceway fill. Okay, so remember that because it reminds you that single conductors that are twisted together to create an assembly doesn't necessarily constitute it being an actual cable. You're going to treat that as individual conductors when it comes to raceway fill. Okay, that's important because there were some manufacturers out there who were promoting their pre-twisted or plexed type of cable as as being compliant with considering it a single cable or a single conductor, and you could use it for 53%. Means you could fill up more of the actual raceway, which results in smaller raceways than if you had to comply with the 40% for over two conductors. Okay, um, the 2017 code made that clear. That's not the case. So that's also found in Note 9. But what we're more important uh, going to focus on is the main language uh, inside of Note 9. And let me read it to you. It says a multi-conductor cable, that would be like an SEU, SER, uh, things like that, uh, tray cable, all of that. It says a multi-conductor cable, a optical fiber cable, or flexible cord or two uh, of two or more conductors shall be treated as a single conductor for calculating percentage conduit or, or tubing fill area. Now that's important because that reminds us that Table 1 is going to ask, ask us to treat that cable as if it was a single conductor. Now why is that significant? Well, what if I have a lot of smaller cables and I'm running for Class 2 or Class 3 applications and I want to put them in a complete raceway system to, from point A to point B, then if I have that aspect of it, then the number of cables that are in there are going to make me jump into treating them like it's a over 2, for example, and then I can't exceed 40% fill based on the diameter of each cable. So it's a big deal. So when I'm doing just a simple thing like an SER or a UFB or something like that in a single raceway, then the math is also, this. it really, you do the math the same way, okay? So let's kind of look at it. We're going to use an example, uh, and we're going to follow. Now, you don't need your code book because I'm going to kind of just explain it to you how we do this. But if you're an electrician, a journeyman, a uh, master electrician, or apprentice at, its, apprentice, at some point, you've had to figure out when I put a cable inside of a raceway, provided that that's applicable, uh, uh, article for that wiring method allows you to do so, and most of them do, without any issues. If I'm going to put that multi-conductor cable inside of that raceway, how do I do the math to make sure that I'm not exceeding the, if it's a single cable in there, for example, how, how to keep from exceeding a 53% fill? Okay, um, how do you do that? So, we're going to look at that now. Alright, so for our test example, we're going to use an SER cable. For some reason, we're going to install that in a complete raceway system as, as described in 300.17 of the NEC. And it's complete from point A to point B, and we want to sleeve it. Uh, I shouldn't say sleeve, excuse me. We want to run the cable inside of a complete system, uh, and it is SER. And in our case, our SER, based on the manufacturer's specifications, has an actual diameter that from high point to high point across the cable assembly is uh, 1.425 inches. Okay, so that is our actual diameter. All right, now, first thing we need to do is, again, we've already looked at Note 9, and Note 9 says that it also goes on to say, for cables that have an elliptical cross-section, that would be like your UFB, the SEU, uh, uh, things like that, uh, NMB, UF, B, all that type of thing. Um, if for those 
values, you're actually going to use the major diameter that of the ellipse, which is the long, flat side portion, to actually be considered your circular diameter. So you're going to take that value. Again, that is published by the manufacturer. So when I show you this calculation, it really doesn't matter whether it's a, a tray cable circular, uh, SCR, or even if it's an NMB, you're going to take the widest dimension, and that's the value, the diameter that you're going to use in order to do this calculation. Okay, it's pretty simple. Alright, so now in our case we're using a 4-aught, 4-2 aluminum SER with a diameter information that was, that was obtained from the manufacturer at 1.425 inches. Now that's based on that, um, again, manufacturer specifications. Uh, and of course when we're looking at chapter 9, note 1, uh, table 1, note 9 says that we're going to take that diameter and we're going to treat it as a single cable. We're dealing with one SER at this point. Alright, so that tells us that we can't exceed more than 53% fill. Alright, so the formula we want to use is going to be uh, pi. Uh, there's a bunch of different formulas that you can use, but we use uh, pi divided by 4 times the diameter squared. Now, the pi divided by 4, you do that math first, so it's kind of in a parentheses. So do a paren, pi symbol, divide slash, forward slash, 4, close paren, times capital D with a, a 2, a small 2 for a squared. And you do that function. Now, in our case, um, the pi is going to be 3.1416 is the pi, and that's, you don't have to do it all the way out to uh, all of the, the actual long dimension of this is, or the long value is 3.1415926536. You don't need that entire value. Uh, you can round it up, up when you get down to the four points. So 3.14159 can be rounded to 3.1416, and that's what we're going to use in our calculation. All right, so that's actually the pi value. Now, it says pi divided by 4. You solve that first. Then you take that value times d squared. Now, that can be d is that diameter, which is 1.425 times 1.425. Or if you have a calculator, you can do 1.425 squared, and that will give you a value of 2.030625. Okay, so there are all of our values that we're going to, to use here for this calculation in order to determine the, the approximate area of this cable. All right, and then we can use table 4 of the NEC in chapter 9 and that's what's going to give us our the tables that tell us the area of each raceway type that we're using. In our case we're going to use schedule 40 PVC and we need to see that what's the minimum size that we have to have of a schedule 40 PVC in order to be able to install our 4-0-4-0-4-0-2-0 aluminum SER. Okay? Now we need to make sure that we're not going to exceed 53%. Good news is table 4 gives us the columns for the fill, the maximum fill, so that you don't exceed the percentage of fill. Okay. In our case, we're, we're at the one conductor, so we're dealing with 53%. So let's do the math. Now, in our case, the pi is going to be 3.1416. And, and as I said, it is pi divided by 4, so we're going to divide that by 4. That's our first value. We always want to solve the first parenthesis value first. So it's 3.1416. Um, okay, that is our, our value. And we're going to divide that by 4. 
and that gives us 0.7854. So that's our first value. Now the next part of this equation is the 1.425, which was the diameter of the 4-aught SCR that we're dealing with. That is the diameter from peak to peak, as given to you by the manufacturer, uh, which is available on all of their cut sheets, by the way. You just go to that manufacturer's website if you're doing it, and that's all you have to do. Uh, easily available. Most manufacturers like Encore Wire, Southwire, all of those will have an app for their phone that you can see that get the cut sheets for the product so that you show the inspectors or what have you. Okay, so that's what you're, you get your diameter there. Now, don't get confused different terms, like the radius from the center out, uh, the, the circumference is the, the, the measurement around it. We're looking for the diameter, which is straight across the cross-sectional area. When you're looking at it from the end, it's from high point to high point across it. Now, you could actually take that measurement in the field from the end of the cable if you want as well. But again, the manufacturers will provide you that information. All right, so our first math we did was pi. Uh, divided by 4, which equals to 0.7854. The next one we needed to take the diameter squared. In this case, it's 1.425 squared. So I'm going to do that on the calculator. So it's 1.425 squared equals 2.030625. Uh, so you write that down, 2.030625. All right, now once you've done that, it's simply... The, the case of multiplication. So you simply take the first value, which was the 0.7854, times the second value we did, which is the 1.425 squared, which is equals 2.030625, and that should give you a value of 1.594. Um, and really, you only need to take it out to the third decimal, out from the third point. Okay, so it's 1.594, but the value really is 1.594852875. You don't need to go that far out. And if you even wanted to round it to 1.5948 to 1.595, that would be perfectly acceptable as well. But in this case, you can use it at 1.594 and be, be fine with that. Okay, now that I actually have my approximate area for that actual uh, multiconductor cable, now is where I'm going to go to to table four of chapter nine. And I'm going to look for the raceway that we're using. And in this case, we're using uh, schedule 40 PVC. All right, and when you find the schedule 40 PVC, um, you'll see that it actually it'll, it's, and if you're using electronic edition, it's on page 683, uh, the PDF version. And it's the one that's you know, right at the top. It's the one after Schedule 80. It says rigid PVC conduit, Schedule 40. It also is the same diameters and, and everything for HDPE conduit as well. Okay? Okay. So, <clears throat> once you're here, we're dealing with one wire because the code said that this cable, multiconductor cable, is treated like a single wire. It's not to exceed 53%. So now, when you're coming down this column, you're going to go into the, the square inches column, not the millimeter squared. We're going to the square inches column because we're doing everything in square inches. Uh, and you come down and you're saying, okay, look, I have got a cable that has a 1.594 uh, value, and I, can't, I have to be able to get this into the raceway. Inside this table, these represent on table four is the maximum area in order to not exceed the percentage that's given to the table, okay?
So when you look down at it, and incidentally, if you look to the right, you'll see the total area, 100%. And then you look under the one wire, 53%, and you can actually see how much the value is. It's 53% of that value, okay? All right, so you can't exceed the 53. So when we go down this column, um, the first one that, that I see is, well, what about the one and a half trade size? Well, that says you can't be more than 1.052. And of course, we have 1.594, so that one's not going to work. The next one we have is trade size two, and it says 1.744. And that's the one we want because I can stick this 1.594 in there. And I still have a little room all the way up to 1.744 that I'm not going to exceed the 53%. And so my choice here is going to be a trade size 2 because it has enough area in it that it's going to allow me to be able to put this multiconductor cable in there and I'm not going to exceed the 53% fill. And that's exactly it's just as simple as how you do it. So remember that formula is it pi now another formula that you can remember if that one is complicated for you and you're like well I don't remember that then it could be 3.1416 times the diameter times the diameter okay you can come up with that value and then divide that by 4 if you want but essentially it's the same as I said you just do 3.1416 times the diameter squared okay and uh, well excuse me 3.1416 uh, divided by 4. So you're just doing it first. And then once you come up with that value, then you do the second part of the equation, which is the, the diameter squared, and do it that way. Or you could just, again, you could do it 3.1416 times 1.425 times 1.425 divided by 4, uh, you know, and, and come up with the same type of value. Okay, so, all right, that just different ways to do it, but the easiest way to do it is to think parenthesis n, which is pi, divided by 4, parenthesis times the diameter, which is the d squared. And that's the simple formula to remember. Solve the parentheses first, the pi, 3.1416 3 uh, divided by 4, to give you that value, times, and then do your cable's diameter squared, or whatever the diameter is times itself that value and then you multiply the two together and that's what's going to give you your approximate area then you can go to to table four of chapter nine and then depending on the type of raceway you're using that's when you're going to go into it and you're going to try to find out which one you're you're working with and that's how you're going to determine the size that you need now when you're dealing with something like an NMB, again, the code states that you're going to take the major diameter of the ellipse as a circle diameter. Uh, so if it's there, there's a thin end of it, there's a, there's a width and a depth to the cable, like an a NMB or a UFB or an SEU. Uh, you have a long dimension and you have a short dimension. Take the long dimension, which again is published by the manufacturers, uh, and use that value in place of the diameter that we just did for the the actual cable itself, okay? For the multiconductor cable that we just did, the 4 aught, uh, And it comes out the same, and that takes into account the widest possible diameter that's dealing with that elliptical flat type of cable assembly, okay? All right, that's an elliptical type of assembly. So, it really doesn't matter. The code just gives you the direction that tells you that what dimension you use when it comes to a flatter elliptical type of cable. 
But whether it's a uh, MC cable, uh, whether it's a tray cable, whether it's a um, uh, SE cable, service entrance round cable, whatever, this is the formula you're going to use. And then you're going to go and use Table 4 of Chapter 9 in order to make sure that once you determine this area, that you have to make the approximate area, you have to make sure that you can put it within the raceway that's properly sized for it so that you don't exceed the 53% if it's a single. Now, last thing I'll touch on is cables that are under, let's say, 725, which is class 2, class 3, whatever. You might have a bunch of cables in there. You do the same typical thing for each cable in order to determine its actual approximate area. Uh, uh, same as you would for an individual conductors. It doesn't matter. You do that math. The problem is now if you're going to have multiple of these cables inside of a raceway, then you're actually going to pop out of the 53% aspect of it and you might treat each one of those cables as a single conductor. So if you're going to have over two of them, then you can't exceed the 40% fill. So then you just kind of do the math as if it was a the same way you always would do, whether it's a single conductor or not. That's how you do it. So the difference in the two is you can actually get the diameter uh, or the approximate area already done for you in chapter uh, in table five for an individual conductor. When it comes to a multi-conductor cable, even a small one, you're going to have to do the formula that I just talked about in order to find its area, approximate area, and then you can treat it like a single conductor. And if there's over two of them in a raceway, then you're going to not exceed the 40%. If there's only one in a raceway, just like putting one conductor in a raceway, uh, you can go up to 53%. But once you start putting multiple multi-conductor cables in a raceway, then you're going to treat them just like single conductors, uh, and you're going to start adding them together. And then, if again, if you have over two, you're going to have to drop that to 40% fill, just like you would for a regular uh, conductors being placed inside of a raceway like you would every other day of the week. Okay? All right. Hopefully that explained it to you again. Uh, the most important aspect of this, again, is note 9 of chapter, uh, chapter 9, table 1. That's going to give you the guidance to tell you how you treat a multiconductor cable. Um, so that's the guidance there. Uh, note 2 is going to remind you that we're not talking about small sections that are being used for physical damage protection. That's not what we're talking about here. Now, what it considered a small section or a short section or whatnot, uh, that's going to be up to you to determine that. But I can tell you one thing. If it's connected on each end, it's not there for that. It's a complete system under 300.17. And at that point, you're going to have to not exceed the raceway fill applications here uh, dealing with table one of the NEC. Okay? All right. Well, hopefully you have answered some of those questions for you. If you have any other questions, feel free to email us at info at master the NEC, where we talk again about the National Electrical Code and all things that are about the NEC, electrically related. Uh, again, visit our blog by going to masterthenec.com uh, and look on there for our link to our blogs, or you can just go on the internet and type master the NEC blog, and I'm sure it'll come up for you. Uh, you can get that as well. Um, and that all will help answer some questions on there. We have quite a few blog uh, articles that I've done on there. More to come. Uh, again, if you have any questions about this or anything of this confuses you, uh, please feel free to email us at info, that's I-N-F-O, at masterthenec.com. That's master, M-A-S-T-E-R-T-H-E-N-E-C.com. Or info at electricalcodeacademy.com. Now, if you don't want to remember all that, just go to the website and you can email us directly from the website. 
Okay. Now, last plug, if you're on a job site and you need a code reference quickly because you're in a pinch, you're arguing with an inspector or you're working with an engineer or you're an engineer and you need some reference for some design you're doing and you need quick, reliable uh, code references and certified responses, uh, then visit our website www.ecodetutor.com and you can uh, get a subscription there or pay per use or what have you uh, and you can get your answers pretty quickly there as well or you can visit our website and post a question and just wait for us to answer it you can do that as well so anyway thanks for listening God bless until next time stay safe and hopefully everybody's having a wonderful 4th of July and thanks for listening and God bless